Hello, everyone, and welcome to Monster Hour. I am Quinn, your keeper of monster and mysteries. With me today are Tio. Hi, I'm Tio, and I play Constance the Expert. Hannah. Hi, I'm Hannah, and I play Jer the Crooked. And Kyle. Hi, I'm Kyle. I play Alvin the Monstrous. Last time, after a hard bargain and high seas chase, the three of you rendezvoused at the Strait of Messina. Reaching the theater's exit would prove no small task, however. The strait was guarded by the legendary sea monsters Scylla and Charybdis, joined by the kindred prairie wielding the power of Poseidon. On top of it all, when Mr. Blue realized your plan, he too turned against you, demanding you abide by your agreement and leave otherware with Georgiana. Undaunted by the odds, Alvin turned Scylla into a platforming game, leaping from head to head to tackle Poseidon before he could savage the trireme. JR played a tough hand smart, leveraging Georgiana to force Mr. Blue to back off his attack. And Constance led the escape from the trireme, punching Scylla in the nose to slip past its toothy maw. <laughs> Together, the five of you swam headlong into the whirlpool of Charybdis, at last escaping the Otherware Theater. You came to on a mist-shrouded shore. The fog receded to reveal a serene glade, matching the one from JR's vision. You opened the envelope from the tall man to discover a single page written in the script matching the unidentified sigils from the disc and JR's key. You asked an incensed Mr. Blue to translate, but realizing your plan to transcribe its contents into the registrum pushed him past his breaking point. He alerted the theater to your presence, waking its slumbering guardian. A seafoam suit of armor, animated by roots and sporting a massive set of antlers, its baleful green eyes locked onto the three of you. To start this off, if anyone would like to read a bad situation, this is one. <laughs> it is a bad situation, and you can read it. I would like to read a bad situation. Mm -hmm. Give me a roll plus sharp. That's an eight. On a seven to nine, hold one. Alrighty. What's its squishy part? <laughs> what's what's most vulnerable? Where's the gluing me? red point, Quinn? <laughs> yeah. Constance, you do some quick reasoning. You saw this thing animated by roots and vines coming up from the earth. You are also surrounded by a glade of trees. I think you get the sense that those two are connected. And whatever this thing is, it doesn't look vulnerable to you. It looks quite fearsome. <laughs> but perhaps whatever is animating it or controlling it is vulnerable to you. And it seems likely mm. to be something connected to this glade. I gesture and explain all of this in my best Vano White. See this glade here? This is our <laughs> ticket. This is how we do this. <laughs> so the three of you are standing at the far edge of this glade next to Mr. Blue, who seems to have uh, voided whatever agreement you had to cooperate. The tome atop the stone pedestal is being guarded by this hulking suit of green armor that is, is now animated. And behind it, you have the semicircle of trees and the particularly large sycamore tree. What did the three of you do? I mean, why is he sticking around if he's not down to clown? Like, mm. what's his deal? What's going on with him? What's he thinking about? What's he just thinking about? He refused to transcribe for us too, right? Yeah. Yeah, he wouldn't translate for us. As you ask this question of yourself, JR, he pulls a face from beneath one of his robes and puts it on. And suddenly unfolding around him is a suit of shimmering steel armor, full plate, 
and he draws a longsword and appears to be decked out fully as a, a sort of medieval knight and begins advancing on you. Wait, on us? Yep. Shit. I'm sorry I asked what he was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Georgiana, and I, I want to throw her a weapon because I sense that she is uh, battle ready. And I somehow doubt that he would hurt her. What weapon do you throw her? I want to give her the sword because I feel like she can run circles around Mr. Blue because he has a sword, you know? They've probably been sparring each other for a long yeah. time, too. Georgiana, and I throw her the silver sword. And as I like throw that, I say, like, we're not here to hurt you. We're fulfilling another promise. We're only as good as our word. <laughs> and then I like say, like, keep him busy. No kindred would ask this of you. Interesting. JR's got a circle on her hand, doesn't she? About this other promise. She does. Ooh. All right. No kindred? Like, is this a no true Scotsman argument that you're making here? Because what about this, buddy? And I hold my hand out. I'm very careful <laughs> not to make this a Nazi salute, okay? This is this is this is out <laughs> in front of me. Or perhaps like right next to my head. Yeah, there we go. I hold the hand up like right next to my head. Like you're waving. Yes, there we go. That's what I'm doing. I'm waving it. Yes. Mr. Blue looks at the bright red circle on your palm, shakes his head and says, I don't understand. That's not possible. Yeah, neither do we. Can you please tell us what this says? Like we don't want to be committing genocide or anything, you know? Is this is big hulking thing moving towards us, by the way? No, it's standing perfectly still. Okay, it's just Great. doing its thing. Yeah, so where were we with this? We, you don't know? Is this a like, okay, hold on. When you say it's not possible, are you saying that because you legitimately don't think it's possible? Or are you no, saying enough it talk. because- If you agree to leave this place, I am happy to continue our detente. No, I had a legitimate question here. My question is like, do you Jeez, mean it's literally I didn't know not- he was a viewer. No. <laughs> possible if you're like or like is there something in your head where you're like this shouldn't be happening but i know this one instance of it could be happening because i don't know we banished somebody <laughs> and they shouldn't be able to From come back school. or like if the three of you turn around right now perhaps we can have this discussion yeah i don't know uh, uh, sorry buddy i don't know mr just... blue runs forward and takes a swing at you shit Ooh. give me a roll to act under pressure all right it's a nine. On a seven and nine, I'm going to give you a worse outcome, a hard choice, or a price to pay. Okay. I'm going to say that you can get out of the way, but you'll lose something valuable. You can get out of the way, but you will put yourself in a precarious position, or you can take the lesser hit. I'll take the lesser one. Okay. Yeah. So you dodge out of the way. You take a half second to sort of assess your surroundings, make sure that you're not going to wind up in a bad spot, that you've got a hold of all of your valuables, uh, and you, you roll out of the way, but you <laughs> <Got> do- <the> key. <laughs> yeah, you don't lose your key or anything else. <laughs> but as you are evading this attack, you do get sort of a, a glancing blow, and so you're going to take one harm. Uh, Quinn, can it be like a slice across the cheek, and I'm going to get a really cool scar? Can I, can I get that? <laughs> I mean, if that's what you would like, then certainly. It very much is. But then you'll be recognizable. <laughs> yes. JR does a perfect dodge, but then leans back in a little <laughs> just bit a little just to bit. get a little cheek slash. But it'll, it'll make me look cool. 
I'll look cool. That's true. I want to look cool. Also, I just like- It's good to be infamous. Yes. JR, as you evade this attack, there is the sound of creaking wood, straining roots and vines, and the heavy clank of metal. And the three of you see that this suit of armor has taken several steps towards you. How tall is it? Uh, It's about seven feet tall. Okay. I would like to run interference for the other two with this armor. What does that look like? Let's see. What's distracting to armor? Uh, I get in between and I go like, ooh, look at me. I've got all these squishy bits. (laughs) It has a sword, right? As it is walking towards you, you can see in its hand, it has a overlarge axe, a two-handed axe that it is not brandishing, but carrying with it. Then my taunt will be thusly. Hey, you wood chopper, don't you want to get the big bad wolf? I'm going to hulk out and try to distract its attention away. This sounds like a protect someone to me. It absolutely is. So give me a roll plus tough. Oh, shit. (laughs) Oh, no. Well, it's a bad start, gang. I got a six. Shit, yikes. On a miss, you end up making the situation worse. Cool. Oh, no. How does this get worse? (laughs) You tell me, Quinn. You leap out in front and you're taunting this animated armor, this this force of nature inside of a suit, and it stops for a moment. It tilts its head and its massive set of antlers tilt with it as though it's regarding you curiously. And then it holds up a hand and roots burst forth from the ground, wrap around your arms and legs and torso and throw you full force across the glade towards the trees. You would take one harm. You don't, obviously, because of your many moves, mm. but it is between you and Constance and JR. Right. Would you say, Quinn, that those are roots in the air? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Hey, the terrible puns are my thing, Hannah. They are my thing. Oh, my God. It's, this, it's the secret to this whole area. <laughs> so, Alvin, you are, you are now very much out of position. Oof. Uh, does this mean that I'm now, is the registrum between me and the golem? It is, yes. Cool. Okay. I would like to back away as much as possible to put a little space, have uh, Georgiana be more in it than me. And I'm just going to like hot dip out of this world and do a, a, a quick little jaunt down into my boonies world to see if there's anything that she can tell me now that I have all of this background of the kindred and this world, if there's anything that she experienced or ran into or knew that I could use to try to get Mr. Blue to just chill, (laughs) just chill for a sec. Like we're asking you what this means. We're being honest that we don't actually know what we're doing, but we're gonna do it. So yes, I would like to use past lives. Go ahead and give me a roll plus weird. Also, this is this in and of itself is kind of weird if you think about it, because you're like, I'm going to go check out my grandmother's memories while I'm standing <laughs> next to her daughter, who... Yep. Yeah, yeah Georgiana's like, Mom? Oh, oh my <laughs> God. Mom? Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, is this where we all... Do we die here? That's a solid four? <laughs> Your um, grandmother explodes. She is now <laughs> super dead. Ooh, I'm look I'm looking at those luck points, Quinn. I'm looking real hard. Up to you. Ooh, yeah. Listen. I am three away from being doomed though. Oh, you've used <laughs> four. Being doomed is yeah. bad. 
Being doomed is I'm bad. I'm very but aware, but I'm not be there yet. Two away and still be yeah. okay. Screw it. I'm doing it. <laughs> okay. When you use luck, it automatically becomes a 12. So on a 10 plus, a past life has something useful to offer. Ask the keeper, that's me, two questions from the list below. What did a past life discover about blank? How did a past life deal with blank? What important hidden secrets can a past life show me the way to? What did a past life learn too late to help them? Or what does a specific past life encourage me to do now? So I think I'm going to go with what did a past life discover about kindred? And how did my boonie deal with, I guess I don't have to ask both about the kindred. So maybe I'll say like deal with a golem-like creature. I can make that one about that. Yeah. Okay. What did a past life discover about the kindred? Constance, your eyes roll back into your head and you fade from the consciousness that you are currently experiencing to your boonies, to Brandusas. I think we see you at a kitchen table. You recognize the home of your boonie and Bunello and your mother and Georgiana when they were young. Although no one else is there. It's just her. And she has pages and pages, some you recognize even, from her, her books now. Different collections, there's different books, there's some just rogue sheets of paper. And she is going through them, studying them. And at last she comes upon something that seems to strike her attention. A first-hand account written by someone who claims to have interacted with a Zana, which you are perhaps passingly familiar with. They are akin to, to fairies in Romanian folklore. Mischievous, but not necessarily evil. They're known to watch over children. They tend to frequent the forests and will play tricks on, on those who, who enter sometimes. This person also references an offering that the Zuna made to them, a promise to fulfill their, their wishes. This, this person declined. They didn't take this agreement, but it does seem to align with what you now know about kindred. Hmm. There's also the tale of Mama Paduri. Mama Paduri is, is a twisted old crone who lives in the forest. She's known to prey on those that enter, although it's never quite clear exactly how. But she is ferocious in defending her forest from trespassers. She's associated with other witches and forest defenders in different folkloric traditions. But the key takeaway that you get from almost looking over your boonie's shoulder as she's reading these notes is that Mama Paduri has no tolerance for anyone who trespasses in her realm, especially the forest. Hmm. Okay. And your second question, I think it's the same scene. There's a, a sodden wooden creaking as the front door opens and a haggard looking Emil steps inside and begins warming up some water for some tea. Your boonie approaches him, wraps her arms around his torso from behind, and for just a moment, they're standing there in silence, and he takes her hand in his. That moment passes. She goes back to the table and she says, Emil, I, I really think there's something to this. I think there's something to the Zuni. There's accounts from close by. They are said to watch over children, especially those who wander into the forest. And that's where, that's where you were going that night. 
Perhaps they're keeping her safe? We ought to see if we can reach them, an offering to the, to the tree, the center of the forest. And Emil turns around and just gravely shakes his head and says, Brandusa, I believe, I truly believe that the cave, that's the center of all this strangeness. That's the center of all the monsters. If we go there, if we go there, we can find her. And there's a, just a fleeting flash of the scene in the cave. You step forward and it comes into view. A disc of blackened metal, exactly like the one you found in the mine, but fully intact. Emil is crouched over in front of it. He turns to face you and there are tears streaming down his tired face. Quickly, the cave is engulfed in a symphony of light and chaos. You keep going and going and going until you reach the mouth of the cavern, just moments before it caves in. And then, as the rocks collapse, you are jolted back to otherwhere. JR, you have just barely evaded Mr. Blue's falling sword, and he does not appear to be letting up. What do you do? Love it. You love to see it. Man, I really want to shoot him. I really want to use my revolver on him, but I have a feeling that's not going to work. Although, who knows? It could. I am absolutely stalling for time here. Um, Quinn, am I able to get out of the way or, like, divert him at all? Or is he just coming after me? What would you do to, to try to get out of the way? Like, run away? Sure. I mean, you can run away. I mean, I don't want to run all the way away, but I'd like to run away so I'm no longer within the circle of where his sword can swing. <laughs> Give me a roll to act under pressure. All right. Well, that's what I'm rolling all evening. So let's see what happens. Last time I rolled this, I ended up with a really cool scar. Well, gang. Uh, oh, that's a five. Solid. Oh, boy. What a finale. The monster not power hour. <laughs> Okay. Kick ass all the way through the theaters. We get to the end. We're like, I'm <coughs> uh, tired. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long a journey. Okay. It has. It has. We take a nap right now. Yeah. On a miss, okay, things go nap. to hell. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. The actual text from the rules. <laughs> yeah. So you literally go to hell. Luckily for you, no. <laughs> but so two things happen. Jr., I think you do run away. Great. Mostly because as you take off in between, Georgiana steps in and she levels the sword at Mr. Blue. And the two of them face off, unmoving, just staring at one another, both steely-eyed, both remorseful. And then Mr. Blue shakes his head, eyes down towards the glistening blades of grass. And then he holds up his hand, the white palm blazes brightly and Georgiana sinks into the ground up to her shoulders. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, is she like permanently or is this like a quicksand situation? The ground basically opened up beneath her, okay. swallowed her up to her shoulders okay. and closed back up. Okay. So it's not even quicksand. She's mm -hmm. just buried as though someone in like dug a dirt. hole and buried her. Gotcha. Okay. So not good, but not a like super timely situation where I need to go like find a rope and then a horse and do that whole thing that we see in the Westerns yeah. where the person like lies down and then like casts the rope out to the person who goes, I'm sinking, I'm sinking. And then we pull <laughs> them out very dramatically. Okay. Well, that's no. helpful. Okay. You get the clear sense that Mr. Blue just wanted her out of the way. All right. Yeah. 
So you get away, but Georgiana is completely encased below the earth. Cool. And I'm assuming the sword is in there with her. Yes. Shit. Oops. I would like to drop my flamethrower and put my hands up. Like you're giving up? Yes. I run over to where Georgiana is. I drop my flamethrower. I put my hands up. And I look back. JR, Alvin, I'm going to ask you to trust me here. And I like look at Mr. Blue and I say, I don't think we're doing the right thing here. Everything that I have seen makes me think that we should trust you and not the kindred we met. We have no interest in writing in your book without knowing what that means. We're here to fulfill our end of a promise to protect people that that we care about back home, just like you are protecting Georgiana here. We don't need to be here. We are happy to leave. But my friend JR there, JR, can you wave your hand for us again? Hello, it's me, your friend JR with the circle. Do you see it? I didn't get a magic marker out. Ooh, ouch. It's a little painful. Just like you won't let us take Georgiana without you to be safe, I can't leave here knowing that JR is in danger with that circle. We don't care about your book. We get it. We're trespassing here. I am ready to walk away, but I need your help to do that. Constance, Mr. Blue regards you quietly, and Alvin, the Green Knight, stops as well. All of the trees, in fact, in this glade are still. They had been waving in the breeze, but now they are quiet. Okay. With his foot, Mr. Blue kind of kicks your flamethrower aside. Points the sword at you. It's not right next to you, but it's close. And he says, If you mean the words that you speak, we will leave this theater immediately. I mean what I say, and I point again to JR, but like, that's my hang up right there. I believe I understand the predicament that your friend is in. However, you are not the only ones in danger here. I am as well. If we are to continue these negotiations, we must leave. Gang, how do we feel about that? I I don't know. I need more reassurance that like he can do something about what's on my hand. JR, I think I might have you roll to read a bad situation. I think you're looking for more information about a, a tense and dangerous situation, and that sounds like read a bad situation. It to does. Me. It does. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. like the things that I'm good at, particularly, are charm and weird. Neither of which I think particularly applies. I don't think we're going to be able to manipulate Mister Blue. Well, that's an eleven. Woo! I was going to say charming and weird seems to be like exactly what we need in this situation. <laughs> yeah. We need to charm a weird guy. Yeah. On a 10 plus, hold three. I would like to know, are there any dangers we haven't noticed? Yes. (laughs) That's always my favorite answer to that question. JR, in the midst of this detente, a few things occur to you, some of which will probably be answered in future questions, but your immediate thought is, Mr. Blue wasn't the only kindred with you in the last theater. Uh Uh-oh. Prairie was there as well. Oh, no. Prairie. Bailey. Constable Bailey Poseidon, by his other names. (laughs) and he sure saw where you went. Yeah. It would not be unusual for him to be close behind. He has followed us twice before. Cool. Okay. He's followed you since the first theater. Yeah. Um, what's the best way to protect the victims? Who do you think is the victim here? We're the victims. 
we're the we're the like I got cut. Uh, Jr. in particular, uh, you know, Georgiana is stuck in the ground. Alvin just like <laughs> did a real he did, he done goofed real bad, and now he's just like he's like a bug that's fallen on his back, and he can't get. It's <laughs> so not that bad, but shh, shh. He's a victim. He's a victim, I'm Quinn. Fine. He's a victim. We're all victims. We're all victims of I this. I could take a tumble. <laughs> this... I have no weapon. I'm on the ground. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, that was of your own doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I'm Still... a victim of my own device. So, JR, there's unfortunately two answers to your question. Okay. The best way to protect your group is probably to leave. But as you are assessing the situation, you do feel your hand start to tingle. And you look down at the red circle on your palm and it's pulsing slightly. The best way to protect yourself is to uphold your agreement. Ooh. Fuck. Quinn, you could have warned us if this was going to be the episode where we were going to have to make like big moral decisions about like utilitarianism versus like. <laughs> you know, protecting Damn, the right. Hannah, I try to make that every episode. <laughs> That's my yeah, whole thing. Yeah, we just spend too much time getting snacks. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, kind of saw this coming. I have a third question, and that third question is, "What's most vulnerable to me?" Jer, I think you get the sense that, in some way, maybe that you can't quite put your finger on, but the way everything is playing out here, you get the sense that. The trees are most vulnerable to you, and in particular, the, the large sycamore. Okay. You don't know in what sense, but Mr. Blue doesn't seem particularly vulnerable to you, and the Green Knight is for sure not. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to tell you, this goes against all of the self-preservation that Jer has built her entire fucking life around. Making character some big growth. Moms. Yeah, character growth. It's painful. Character growth. Um... Look, if you can take care of this right now, I'll go with you. But otherwise, it's starting to hurt, and I'm not going to let my hand burn off. It is not within my power to undo a deal made by another kindred, no matter how distant. Cool. We could undo it in this place, but it can't happen here. It can't happen now. It's a lot to go on, I understand, but it's... The only path forward for us that does not end in violence. All right. Well, I don't like this. And the fact that you can't do shit about this is making me not thrilled. But okay. And I guess JR is going to take a step towards Mr. Blue. Uh, Also, you need to get her out of the ground. You can't just like (laughs) ground people. Like this is not an acceptable way to treat people. It's actually super shitty because you're like taking away her agency by literally putting her in the ground. So not cool, dude. Get her out. I'm not going anywhere until you get Georgiana. Believe me, she's probably going to have some words for you too. Aren't you, Georgiana? JR, is that what you meant by under the jail? (laughs) (laughs) The deepest cut. (laughs) Yes. Nice. Joke of the episode. Very nice. Or art, yeah. potentially. If you get super arrested, do they bury you? <laughs> Apparently they do here. Oh, oh no. Oh, good. JR, you're delivering this speech, and I think we all see you take a step forward, mm-hmm. or more accurately, a half step. 
your other foot is planted in place. And as one arm is reaching forward, another is reaching back. And <laughs> it's placed atop the registrum. And you feel a growing pain on your palm. JR, I'm going to need you to roll to act under pressure to resist the terms of your pact. You got it. Man. I don't got it. That's a six. Can I oh, help? Shit. I don't. <laughs> I've done. I've been through this before. You, yeah. Can it give me moral support? <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's I true. Mean, you, he has done it before. We're all laughing about it, but I think that makes a lot of sense. Alvin, what do you say? What do you do? I see you try to take your step away and your hand with the circle on it reaching out. And I think I recognize immediately what's going through your head. Mm -hmm. And I think Alvin just confidently takes a few long strides from the shore up near you and quietly by you, JR, to say, okay, JR, I know what's going through your head. I know you can fight this. You are strong. You've resisted temptation at least a couple times in your past. And I need you to dig deep and remember what that feels like. This is the same thing I've, I went through when looking at your key and it's okay. You, you can fight it and it will be okay. Give me a roll to help out. No, no, no. Oh, God. Hey, y'all have luck, right? <laughs> yeah. That's okay, because that's an eight. Woo! All right. Good enough. On a seven and nine, your help grants them plus one to their roll, but you also expose yourself to trouble or danger. Mm-hmm. Let's resolve JR first, okay. and then we'll get to the trouble or danger. JR, on a seven to nine, you can choose to resist, but if you do, you must choose a consequence from the list below. You suffer minus one ongoing until the pact is fulfilled. You suffer one harm, ignore armor, which may not be healed until the pact is fulfilled. Or you may not use luck until the pact is fulfilled. Point of reference, Quinn, if the pact is removed, will that fulfill the same the same requirement as the pact is fulfilled? Yes, I think fulfilled, ended, as long as you're under the influence of this packed magic, you will suffer this effect. Okay, um, mm -hmm. I'm going to take the can't use luck points. So, JR, you, you wrench your hand away, and as you do, you feel disoriented, almost, discombobulated, mm -hmm. in a way that I don't think you really quite understand. It's not like you're dizzy. It's not like your vision is spinning or you're smelling weird. That you, It's not a, a normal sense. It's not one of your five senses, but some part of you feels profoundly off kilter. As though you are not aligned with, for lack of a better word, the universe. Okay. And you you are mechanically no longer able to use luck. But you do wrench yourself away from the registrum and start methodically, step after step, walking towards Mr. Blue and Constance. Now, trouble or danger for Alvin. <laughs> Alvin, you give this pep talk to JR and, and she starts walking forward and, and everyone's looking at her. Even the Green Knight is regarding her stoically. I have slow clapping. And the breeze comes through again. And as it does, on that breeze, you hear a voice. And you can't tell quite where it's coming from, but you get the distinct impression that it's coming from behind you. That it's coming from the trees. And it says to you, We have not seen your kind here in so long, guardian.
Hey folks, Quinn here. Thanks so much for tuning in to episode 37 of Monster Hour. This is honestly one of my all-time favorite episodes, so I'm going to keep this short and get you right back to it. As always, I want to thank everyone who's been helping spread the word about the show by leaving us a rating and review, talking about us on social media, and recommending the show to a friend. It's the best way to introduce new folks to the show, and we really appreciate it. No reason in particular, but this also seems like a good episode to remind folks that we have a Monster Hour Discord. The real monster is not having people to speculate and commiserate with, so if you're looking for a place to chat about the show when you're finished listening, just follow the link in the show notes to head straight there. Our spooky spotlight this week is Red Death, a gothic horror actual play set in 1890s Boston. Hello, friends. Are you yearning for a tale of danger, mystery, and such darkness that would shake you to your very core? Allow me to tell you of one such tale. The year is 1890. The place, Boston. An evil force has seeped into our world, corrupting and conquering all who touch it. Now four adventurers have banded together. Can they keep the Red Death from holding illimitable dominion over all? To learn more, Go to RollToPlayNetwork.com or search The Red Death on your favorite podcatcher. We look forward to having you join us. If you dare. That's all I've got for you this week, folks. We'll be back with episode 38 of Monster Hour on November 24th. See you then. JR, you reach Mr. Blue, and as you do, Georgiana sort of elevators up from the earth, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh, she takes one look at Mr. Blue, drops the sword, and slaps him right in the face. (laughs) (laughs) He fucking deserves that. And he grimaces and frowns, and then looks at JR and Constance and says, let's go. Get out of this place before things take a turn for the worse. Alvin, what are you doing? I think I, I spin around and try to peer into the forest at what made that voice. As you look into the glade, the large sycamore tree cranes unnaturally towards you. Am I getting any sort of feeling, like emotional feeling from this tree, or is it just weird? Why don't you give me a roll to investigate a mystery? Holy shit, that's a 12. Dang. Nice. On a 10 plus, hold two. Hey, what's being concealed here? Alvin, what is being concealed here is another theater. Like on top of this one? I think you're you're fumbling in the dark in some senses, but as best as you can tell, it is a small theater nested inside of this one. Ooh. Oh, what? The entrance, at least, appears to be the tree. What? Hmm. Is my other question. <laughs> how do I how do I get it? How do I get it? Well, I guess I know how to get in there. I've done these door things. I guess the closest thing to follow up that would be what can it do? I think as you are regarding the sycamore, and it seems to be regarding you, entreating you, perhaps, you realize that standing right behind you is the green knight. Just watching you from maybe a foot away. Oh. Boy, that's my door. That's my door. 
Um, I think he's just enraptured by that discovery and the, that call out from the tree. And I think while everyone else is gathering on the shore, I think Alvin starts taking steps towards the sycamore. And behind you, almost acting like a bodyguard, the green knight walks with you until you are standing at the base of the tree. Alvin, you made a friend. <laughs> My new constable, Bailey. Quinn, I'd like to travel the doors. Tra- no. You don't need to. You oh, place your hand on the tree and everything disappears. When you come to, you are standing at the peak of a small hill, just barely above a sea of mist that extends outward in every direction as far as the eye can see. It's quiet. And then there's a gentle breeze that brushes away the faint bit of heat building up on your skin from the bright sun overhead. Ahead of you stands a large sycamore, exactly like the one you just rested your hand on every branch and bit of bark the same. And beneath it are two individuals, scarcely moving, almost oblivious to your presence. Seated amidst the thick roots, her back resting gently against the tree trunk, is an ethereally beautiful woman. She has long, intricately braided hair that would likely flow to her feet if she was standing upright, though now it's spilled messily over the grass. She has an agelessness to her, that you can't quite put your finger on. Laying against her, head cradled in her lap, is a flaxen-haired man, a pained expression darkening his winsome face. He's clad in ornate armor, though given how blood-soaked it is, it doesn't appear to have done him much good. Resting on the grass nearby is a crimson-stained crown of gold and gemstones. What do you do? I think I calmly just approach and i'm going to kneel maybe about eight feet away it takes several seconds for the woman to notice you she looks surprised almost startled at your presence like she was lost in some faraway dream but when she notices you she regards you calmly and and peacefully for several seconds before speaking i felt your presence from just beyond here guardian it has been, I don't, I don't know how long it's been. How long has it been, Guardian? Well, it's sure been a long trip to get here, I can tell you that. I feel like it's been some time. Time is difficult here. I've noticed that. Is everything in place? I recall an agreement. There was no reason to come unless unless everything had fallen to pieces. Um, well... Do the seals stand, Guardian? I'm... I think so? You do not know? I may be a little out of my depth here. Is he okay? She looks down at him and looks surprised and then looks at you. Oh, no. (laughs) No, he's dying. Right. I think he has been for a long time. Time is difficult here. Yeah, me too. 
Oof, Quinn, what do I know? What do I remember about the seals? I mean, we didn't go through one. My guess, my hunch is that there is one in... There's one in the lab. That was my my. There's hunch. one in the lab, yeah, I think. So I think he says, the seal is weakening. Mine, in particular. Weakening. That is unwell. My kindred don't understand. Many of them, they scarcely remember. Or perhaps they forgot. It's been a long time, I think. Time is difficult here. It would be calamitous if magic were to break free. Yeah, we're not very good at having power. Um, what's your name? My name? Do you have a name? I've met some of your kindred and they they had some semblance of a name. She pauses for a moment and sort of stares off into the distance as though lost in thought. And then her eyes refocus on you and she says, Yes, yes, I, I, I have a name. I'm Morgana Le Fay. First of the Fae. Does he have a name? She looks down and again looks surprised and then looks back at you and says, Yes, this is this is Arthur. I'm Alvin. <laughs> it's nice to meet you, Alvin. I I don't think I've met anyone for a long time. Time is difficult here. Yeah, I, under- I understand that. Um, listen, so I have a few questions. I don't know. Can we? Can I ask you some questions? She tilts her head ever so slightly and says, I don't see why not. I think we have plenty of time. I mean, we honestly probably do. <laughs> time kind of... Time is strange here. She nods knowingly. No, I nod back. Um... We thought where the register was was the center of your world, but this was inside it. Is there a a center, or are they all theaters within theaters? Avalon is the first theater, but I don't think we could live there. I don't think he could live there. We needed more time. That's what this place is. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think I can remember what the symbols are to get her to translate it. I don't have the letter. Um, What do you know of the seals? I need help fixing them. Have you... Have you forgotten, Guardian? It's been a long time. Yes. I think it has. Guardian, the 13 seals keep magic at bay. They keep it caged. They keep it from being wielded to the detriment of us and them. And she places her palm on Arthur's cheek and gently caresses it. Yeah, they're big and bad. But how do I fix them? The seals? At least one is broken. Guardian, do you not recall the binding? I could use some tips. This is a test. 
to see if you remember the binding. <laughs> the five points guardian. The strength of a beast, wild and unbound. And she looks knowingly at you. I nod. The guile of a trickster, wily and uncaged. Mm-hmm. The eternity of a spirit, endless and unmoving. Got it. And the pact of a wishbringer, freely entered. And of course, the will of a human to bind it together. Huh. Those five points make the seals, 13 in number, to hold it in place. Gang, that sounds a lot like us and also Dorian. <laughs> okay, yes, my memory is refreshed. It's all coming back to me now. Big Strong, Wily Trickster, Eternal Life, Wishbringer, and a Human. Makes perfect sense. Are you of these kindred? Yes. Do you have any power over them? She considers this for a moment. I suppose I do. Or I did. You all like deals, don't you? Perhaps a simplistic way of considering what we do. <laughs> I apologize. I didn't mean to offend. No, no. No offense. Do you know why magic brought us to being? The earliest among the incarnates? Enlighten me. We were the first meant to serve the wishes of humans. Bound to them. To be where magic could not. Deals are how we interacted and then how we survived. This whole place, all of it is, as you would say, a deal. And she looks down at Arthur once again. Hmm. You asked if I had sway over my kindred. I suppose I do, but I can't leave here. It all rests on me. Hmm. One final question, I guess. If we had a conflict of deals, if you were, how would we go about resetting them? Clearing the slate, if you will. Pact magic is powerful. Some say it's the oldest of all. Though you and I know that's not true. Of course. Guardian, we hold our true names closely. If you could learn the true name of the one that holds sway over you, it would give you the leverage that you need. Are you familiar with a kindred of yours who has been trapped on the other side? There were, are, there may yet be wishbringers who are not in otherwhere, but they are no kindred. Oh. We are known by many names. Fairies, demons, jinn, Zuna, Yumbo. Mm -hmm. We are the Fae. If they are out there, they are no kindred. But they still make pacts. Yes. They are like us. But kindred is a family, not a creature. Mm -hmm. I suppose there's no sort of listing of names anywhere. The Registrum. The Tome of True Names. Oh. That's where they all are. All of the kindred, least of which. Who gets to write? What, who write? 
Where, how does that get written in there? The names of all kindred and otherware are recorded there. So to gain access, someone would have to put their name in the registrum. Yes, anyone who's written in there has full access. That makes a lot of sense. Guardian, I sense we are running out of time. It's been a good chat. It has been. I wish you well, and I gesture to Arthur. Thank you. I hope I don't see you again, Guardian, but I will look fondly upon this. That would be for the best. And I rise to my feet. And I think the fog closes in until you can see nothing at all. Constance and JR, Alvin's only gone for a minute, maybe. Mm -hmm. But as he's gone, you hear the waves pick up on the shore. And striding from the beach, you see the kindred prairie still in his Poseidon visage, though he doffs it quickly and appears only as a featureless face. He regards the four of you, J.R., Constance, Georgiana, and Mr. Blue, and says, I knew you were in league with them. You were always too close, Blue Yonder. I will do what needs to be done.